a British TV podcast with Chrissy and Ryan. News, reviews, what's on TV this week, DVD releases, and special features all about British TV. Hello and welcome to show number six of the British TV podcast. I'm Ryan in Seattle. I'm Chrissy in Seattle. And we have a ton to tell you about this week. It's very exciting. This Sunday, the 15th, you should cancel your plans, stay in, and watch telly. So if you're getting birthday or, let's say, wedding or anything, just just don't go. Because you want to be home watching TV this week. If you're either in the United States or Britain, there's just tons of stuff to see. We'll talk all about it. We're very excited. We're a tremble with excitement. Yes. How was your week, Chrissy? Oh, it was pretty good. Watched a little British telly. What did you watch? I watched a documentary called The Diet That Time... I think, what was it called? The Diet That Time Nearly Forgot. It was for overweight Britons who eat out of cans or fast food go up to Pakistan for a month and live with and eat the diet there, which is naturally very um, healthy. It's one of the healthiest indigenous diets of the world, and they... Learn the culture. It was very interesting. I enjoyed it. Who showed that? Um, I downloaded it. It was I'm gonna guess ITV, but interesting. Yeah, it was quite good. Yeah, I caught up on the third season of Robin Hood, and there's been lots of changes. They aren't afraid to kill cast members off, but I don't want to give anybody any spoilers. But I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they got rid of so and so, and keeps making a lot of changes. So uh, that's on BBC America, and I saw John Cleese last week. Oh, he's touring. Mm-hmm. This is his um, I need to pay my alimony tour. He got divorced last year and he owed his ex-wife 20 million dollars. And he went on a great length about that. He even worked out how much per hour she's getting for how long they were married. Well, you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> I guess it was 20 million dollars. But he talked about growing up in Western Supermare and college and how he got into comedy and all the breaks he got and he showed lots of clips including things from the recently recovered at last the 1948 show which apparently just they found copies in scandinavia someplace about 10 years ago this was the 1968 series that he did just prior to teaming up with the money python guys Showed a lot of Monty Python clips, uh, the fish slapping dance, the Black Knight scene from mm-hmm. the Holy Grail, and then uh, talked a lot about Faulty Towers, a lot of clips from that, and uh, Fish Called Wanda. He seemed to sum up his theory of comedy as comedy is putting things in the right order. Hmm, I've heard him talk about how very fragile comedy is and how easily something hysterically funny can just tank the next night and how hard it is to achieve one and not the other intentionally. Anyway, he's uh, currently working his way through California this week. By the end of next week, he'll be in Arizona. So we'll put a link on our website for uh, his tour dates in case he's coming to a town near you, although I think a lot of them are sold out. So this week we have uh, news, what's on British TV this week, what's running in the United States, DVD releases, and a feature on Irish comic Ardell O'Hanlon. Ah, yes. Ardell. So news. Comedian Phil Jupitus has announced there will be a Doctor Who special edition of the comedy panel music show Never Mind the Buzzcocks. It will feature David Tennant as the guest presenter, and the show will see Bernard Curvins and Catherine Tate. Well, they've got to dust up 
Bernard Cribbins old hit right said Fred then. I've noticed it's a video on YouTube. It's animated. Oh, well, I'll have to I put a link to that. I don't know if that, when, the, when they actually put the animation to the original tune, I don't know. But it's about men moving a heavy object, which is never named in the song. But in the video, it's a piano, which you can kind of figure out it probably had to be a piano or something like that. Yeah, a friend of mine was just filling me in about Bernard Cribbins' music career back in the 60s. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that was his big claim to fame. I knew he'd been a comedian, and he was in one of the old Doctor Who features. And, of course, he's been in Doctor Who the, the recently. But, that yeah, he, he music was his thing. So uh, never mind the Buzzcocks special, Doctor Who special edition. They don't have a broadcast date announced yet, but it probably will be shown sometime before Christmas. So we'll let you know about that. Christmas television in the UK. I can see why people look forward to it all the year. I do too. It's great. I, you know, then basically the United States, you know, we have sweeps month. So you guaranteed new episodes in February, May, and November. And the rest of the time you'll be lucky. And in December, it's a vast wasteland here. There's nothing on there. I mean, the only Christmas stuff is Christmas specials you've seen a hundred times. You know, Rudolph Reddo's Reindeer yeah. and Frosty the Snowman and the Grinch. And on Christmas Day, if you don't like football, forget it. There's nothing on. Oh, I was just, I think I became aware very early that it was very different in Britain because they would, because I realized that the seasons were short, but they'd often make an extra special and just hang on to it and show it sometime during the week between Christmas and New Year's of all these great series like Chef. I was hunting down that Christmas episode of Chef forever before it finally was released on DVD things like that, that I was really fond of in the early 90s when I was kind of um, ramping up my interest in comedy and Chef seeking it out. Chef was the Lenny but, Henry yeah. series where he played a high-maintenance owner of a restaurant. Right. And I used to teach at a culinary school, and we would sometimes have little lax days when we didn't open the restaurant, and the students had some extra classes, and we would all watch some episodes of Chef at lunchtime. I thought it went a little off the rails after he got divorced. The character yeah, the got third divorced. Yeah, shouldn't have been made. And they, they created this best friend of his who supposedly he'd been friends with for years. But mm -hmm. I remember they introduced the character into the show and it didn't make any sense. So, yeah, it, it no. kind of... Well, they had a huge budget cut for the third series. They'd actually shot the first two on film and had quite a bit of money. It was the production company that Lenny Henry had set up after his three-picture deal with Disney kind oh. of tanked after one picture, and he decided he didn't want to just say yes and sign on the dotted line anymore. He wanted to produce his own stuff. So Chef was the first product from that, but I think that the funding really fell through in the third series, and I, th I really wish they'd stopped it too. I thought the first two were just perfection. His Disney movie was True Identity, right? Yep. Where he played a white guy. Which is right. strange. I don't know if he knows he was ripping off Eddie Murphy in the old Saturday Night Live skit where he became white and noticed he had to walk with his his butt really tight. And that's an actual line in the True Identity movie, too. And I wonder if Lenny Henry was aware of that or if he was just reading the script and didn't know he was blatantly having to rip off Eddie Murphy. But yeah, back to Christmas. Uh, yeah. It used to be that, you know, in Christmas, you were a captive audience. They, there was no trains. There's no tube service. You were stuck at home. And so the BBC and ITV would lay on their best Christmas specials. You know, the the Morecambe and Wise Christmas special would be the big deal of the year back in the early 70s. And they would have huge guest stars, mm -hmm. you know, Glenda Jackson and and things. And, and it was way the whole family sat around and did it. And that's coming back now. And as we ramp up to Christmas and tell you about these shows that will be on... 
you'll see there's quite a bit to watch that week. So you won't be watching American TV. But let's talk about what's on this week on British TV. Starting on Tuesdays, uh, James May's Toy Stories continues on BBC Two. ITV One Tuesday night begins the three-part documentary series, John Sargent on the Tourist Trail, with a look at what different cultures find interesting when visiting Britain. Some good tips there, no doubt. Yeah, kind of interesting to see how... Yeah, what they're looking for when they come to... Apparently the Japanese do different things than Germans do when they visit Britain. That is a good idea. And I always find John a really warm and entertaining presence, too, on television. So that'll be a good one to see. That's John Sargent on the tourist trail. Collision is on every night this week at 9 p.m. on ITV. This is the five-part drama with Douglas Henshaw. It began running Monday, and it will show up on PBS on Sunday. We'll talk more about that in a moment. So this is getting to be kind of a trend in England of uh, stripping shows five days a week. Uh, Torchwood was done that way earlier. Mm -hmm. It's a, certainly a way of uh, getting ratings, assuming you, you get everybody hooked on the first night. On a side, do you think Torchwood should come back, having done their five night and gone? If they've got ideas for scripts, okay. yeah. Okay. I mean, they have to... They went out on such a high that I was reading that some people thought they couldn't really surpass that, so, so well, they should just bow out. If, if they've got scripts, they shouldn't just do it to do it like Chef, or, or shows that we're going to talk about here in the, a little later in this program... If they, if they come out with a killer idea, they should do it, but okay. not to do it just to, oh, we need to grind out 13 more episodes. If they've got a great idea, there's certainly things that they could do with those characters. That's my opinion. Okay. But not to do it, just to do it. Uh, Wednesday, the uh, school drama Waterloo Road continues. I'm just catching up on the last season, and uh, they killed off a character I really liked. Again, you see a lot of young actors and actresses who I suspect are you will see on TV and in movies for many years to come. BBC Two Wednesday night, Andrew Marr's History of Modern Britain continues. As well as Spooks, which is known better as MI5 here in the U.S. And that's uh, Wednesday nights on BBC One. Thursday afternoon at 4.35 on BBC One is the Sarah Jane Adventures with the two-part adventure Mona Lisa's Revenge. Part two is on Friday at the same time, 4.35. Hopefully uh, Mona Lisa's Revenge is less Iggy than Montezuma's Revenge. Now, you don't know this, but because you're not familiar with classic Doctor Who, but there's a, a very well-regarded episode called The City of Death. And the Doctor is in Paris. They actually shot this on location, amazingly. It had Julian Glover as an uh, alien disguised as a human who has six copies of the Mona Lisa, but he has to steal the one in the Louvre. And then he can sell all seven copies to different art dealers, and he's doing this to finance a time travel experiment. Well, that sounds like an episode of Hustle without the time travel. Well, it won't be surprise you that that was uh, co-written by Douglas Adams. So it's a, it's a really good one. If you ever want to check out old Doctor Who, you, you, you can't go wrong by watching City of Death, an old okay. Tom Baker episode. But anyway, Mona Lisa's Revenge on the Sarah Jane Adventures. I think on the trailer it looked like it was coming alive or something, so who knows what's going on. Aliens, no doubt. Uh, Fridays, the Celebrity Current Affairs Quiz Show, Have I Got News For You, is on BBC One. Guest host, Jack D. And guest panelists will include Marcus Brigstock. And right afterwards on BBC One is the sketch comedy series, Armstrong and Miller. I just watched an episode of QI that had Bill Mueller on it, and it turns out he has a PhD in solid-state physics. Yeah, I think I knew that somehow. And Richard Branch is another one who has a PhD in some science. 
So they had yeah. a very science-oriented uh, episode of QI, and Ben Miller was rattling off mm-hmm. all this stuff, and Rob Brydon and Sean Locke and Alan Davies kind of looked on. Let him hold forth. Yep, yes. I've seen that one as well. And I also saw Ben Miller in uh, the second season of Moving Wallpaper, which was a behind-the-series show. Originally, it was joined up with a series called Echo Beach, which was actually a real soap opera. But this was supposedly the show that was the making of the soap right. opera and things that happened in the behind the scenes. I think I told thing. you about that. I saw yeah. that. and it would, was would be up in the soap opera. And I thought it was all a put on, but the soap opera was a real show. This was just kind of a fake thing about the fake producer, Jonathan Pope. Anyway, the, uh, they brought it back for a second season. The soap opera got canceled. So they said that these guys now were doing a zombie series called Renaissance. Oh, good one. Okay. More Ben Miller action there. Yes, he was a regular on Primeval. Ben Adorm. That's over. It's over. Yep. Why do I have listen there? Okay. The last episode. And it looked, it had a very, very summing up feel to it more than seasons one and two. So I mm. think this might be it. Because mm. everyone seemed to get their happy or their bittersweet endings. And there was just sort of the, the roundup of all the characters and where they were at the end. But I enjoyed the season. It was good as ever. The Comedy Showcase on Channel 4 features pilots for potential new series, and this week it's Phone Shop, which was script-edited by Ricky Gervais. So it wasn't written, but he went through and Mm -hmm. made changes, so that's pretty good uh, comedy genes there. And that's followed by a repeat of the IT crowd. And I hear new episodes are coming in December. Oh, good. Yes, very exciting. Uh, Jonathan Ross on his BBC One chat show Friday at 10.35. We'll have Michael McIntyre, Girls Aloud singer Sarah Harding, and Hollywood actor Gerard Butler. Don't know him. You're kidding, right? No. Oh, my wife loves Gerard Butler. He was in the fan of the opera movie. Oh, I haven't seen it. He's he's quite the heartthrob. Oh, he was in 300. That was his big claim to fame. He was uh, King Lionysus in 300. That's So he's actually been in movies that have made a lot of money. Oh, good and now they're trying to turn him into kind of a romantic comedy guy in the films and stuff so he's made quite a few of those saturdays merlin continues on bbc one at 5 40 and saturday night on bbc two there's a three-part documentary series called berlin which is about the history of the german capital which of course was a lot in the news this week because it was the 20th anniversary of the fall of the berlin wall harry harrell's tv burp saturdays on itv one and the thick of it continues on bbc two with peter capaldi so Sunday is the red letter day for TV, both in Britain and the United States. We'll talk about uh, U.S. shows in a minute, but in England, on um, BBC One is the long-awaited next Doctor Who special, The Waters of Mars. Hooray! Premieres at 7 p.m. It's featured on the cover of the Radio Times this week as the scariest Doctor Who. Doctor Who. And it stars David Tennant and Lindsay Duncan. Let's listen to a preview. Certain moments in time are fixed. This base on Mars, what happens here must always happen. This is what? It's an unknown infection and it's spreading. Close down all water supplies. Any one of us could already be infected. We've all been drinking the same water. And if you take that back to Earth, one drop. Just one drop. Water is patient. Water just waits. Wears down the cliff tops, the mountains, the whole of the world. Water always wins. 
Why would you help? Don't do that if you know all of this. Why can't you change it? Because you die on Mars. You die today. The beginning of the end. Doctor Who, Sunday the 15th of November on BBC One. Oh, Lindsay Duncan, she's she's a barnstormer of an actress. She was in the original version of Traffic. Traffic, which we talked about came on DVD a couple weeks ago and Shooting the Past, the Stephen mm-hmm. Polikoff drama with Timothy Spall. Really magnificent 1999 adaptation of Oliver Twist. Ah. She played the first estranged wife of Oliver's father. And Mark Warren played her son, and they were just the evil duo that really didn't figure in the novel much at all. But the, um, I think it was Andrew Davis. He adapt. He expanded little asides in the book to give backstories to some minor characters. So you ended up with nine hours of oh, Oliver my. Twist, and um, highly recommended. I think the it ran on PBS at the same time, and one of my favorite Mark Warren wrote. Roles. If you look at the IMDb under that show, about 80% of the people are saying, and who was this Mark Warren fellow? He was so wonderful. I couldn't believe what a great actor, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't write him. So. And Lindsay Duncan played his mom, right? Yeah. Okay, well, she's going to get billing in the opening credits, so she's kind of the quote-unquote companion. Mm-hmm. And we'll see that. Now, that's followed on immediately on BBC3 with the hour-long Doctor Who Confidential, which would be all about the making of the story. And that's followed by two documentaries on BBC Four about Mars. It's almost like they planned it. Mm -hmm. Mars Day. Anyway, The Waters of Mars will be shown on BBC America on Saturday, December 19th, which means U.S. viewers will only have to wait a week or so for the very next special instead of a month and a half like people in Britain. And Waters of Mars will also be shown in Canada on the Space Channel on December 19th. So same day in Canada and the United States. Uh, Speaking of David Tennant, he just shot a pilot here in the United States for NBC called Rex is Not Your Lawyer. And he's going to put on a Chicago accent as a lawyer who advises people. We should point out that many pilots are made, few are commissioned. And one should keep in mind that NBC and all of Universal is about to be sold off, probably to Comcast. So the people who will be making scheduling decisions next year are not the people who commissioned this pilot. But if it's good, who knows? Could be. But clearly he's seen the success that Hugh Laurie's had with House mm-hmm. and said, I could do that. BBC Two has a new season of the popular automotive show Top Gear Sunday night. And Australian actor Eric Bana is the star in the reasonably priced car. The new BBC One drama continues Garrow's Law, Tales from the Old Bailey, set in the 18th century. And on Monday the 16th, uh, David Attenborough's documentary series Life Continues on BBC One. At Channel 4, it looks like they're having a 3D night. It'll be the first of a two-part documentary called The Queen in 3D, which features recently found experimental footage taken during the coronation in 1953. Hmm. I was working at our local PBS station on Sunday night, and they showed a coronation special that went, the phones went nuts. I think it was the first time they'd shown it, and people were pledging like crazy to get whatever the premium was. Was it in 3D? It was not in 3D. Was it in color? It was in color. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That was, of course, one of the very first things that were shown on television there. They sold a lot of TVs that year. In fact, there was a Doctor Who episode yep. based on that. Oh, I told many people that story on Sunday night, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> How you had your face sucked off. It was great. 
I'd seen the coronation many times because it's shown on a loop as you ride the conveyor belt waiting to see the crown jewels oh. at the Tower of London. They just show about a five-minute black-and-white clip of it over and over again. So I had, I knew a bit about it, but that was an extremely popular new special on our PBS in Seattle this week. Followed by Darren Brown Presents, The 3D Magic Spectacular, next Monday on Channel 4. Have your 3D glasses ready. Now, are these the classic blue and red 3D glasses, or are they the new polarized... Polarized wouldn't work on television. Okay. You'd have to be in a movie yeah. theater for that to work. All right, because I, I... But on TV, it... they'd have to do the red-green. Okay. Well, you know way more about it than me. I had ne- I just saw the new glasses when I went to see a preview of um up, i think it was fly me to the moon and they gave us these odd gray glasses but they work just fine as 3d yeah but you need to get the classic ones okay and probably works a lot better in high definition too if you've got a chance so next monday uh, graham norton show on bbc one rod stewart will be the guests michael palin and don french Miranda Hart's new comedy miranda starring miranda hart continues on bbc two and she held her own in the ratings in the first week. Oh, good. On American TV this week, on BBC America, Top Gear and Friday Night with Jonathan Ross are on Friday nights. Saturday continues the third season of Robin Hood. It's getting exciting. And the Graham Norton Show. On Sunday night, they're going to be rerunning the 2007 Doctor Who Christmas special, Voyage of the Damned. That was the one on a spaceship called the Titanic and had Kylie Minogue in it. On Adult Swim at 1 a.m. Sunday night, that is Monday morning, The Mighty Boosh. But the big premieres this Sunday, AMC, when they begin the long-talked-about by us, three-part, six-hour remake of The Prisoner. With I'm just in the background music for you. Okay. Classic theme song there by Ron Grainer. Ron. Thank you, because he did the Doctor Who theme as well. So Ian McKellen and Jim Caviezel are in this. Let's listen to a preview here. This is number two talking, having a heart-to-heart with his son. Boy, this is uh, not your father's prisoner. Okay. Let's have a listen. It's ridiculous, I know, but I've been lying awake thinking maybe if I came down, they wouldn't be here. You loved that thing. You always say that. But I don't remember it at all. Memory is fickle. Six says that everything here is fake and real. That's not possible. I mean, why would the world be like that? It is like that in Six's mind. Look at me, 11, 12. Is this real? Do I love you like no father ever loved a son before? When I was your age, I questioned everything. Young men always doubt, challenge, but never doubt your family. Never. So it looks like it's going to be a lot different than the original Prisoner, where you never got any backstory about number two. I mean, the scene actually begins with him in sleep next to his wife in bed, so I guess he has a house, and we're going to learn about him quite a bit. I've said this before, I'm very apprehensive about this remake. I think a lot of my opinion is going to be based on how it ends. If it actually has a definitive conclusion and it's over, I'll like it a lot. If it's just a backdoor pilot for 
an ongoing series, I'm going to be less impressed. So let's see what they deliver. And as we mentioned just a little bit ago on PBS's Masterpiece Contemporary, the Douglas Henshaw police drama Collision starts on the 15th. So you have a lot of choices for TV, whether you're in Britain or the United States there with Doctor Who in Britain, The Prisoner here, Collision showing here. A lot of fine choices for British TV, and we'll have a lot to talk about next week. DVD releases in the U.S. Midsummer Murders Barnaby's Casebook is a 19-disc set with 17 mysteries starring John Nettles. And then two blank DVDs, evidently. The math doesn't quite add up, but... Uh, probably the stories, they're I'm multi-part teasing. stories. I'm okay. teasing. <laughs> The Sandbakers. There's four different sets of discs available. If you get all four different ones, it adds up to the grim 1978-1980 spy drama with Roy Marsden. Have you seen Sandbakers? No. Oh, PBS ran it here. Very much late 70s TV, you know, video on the inside, film on the outside. A lot of actors sitting in stages talking. It's not for fans of 24 or Spooks, where it's the flash cutting and the music driving and the bomb's going to go off. It's very quiet, extremely intense, probably a lot more realistic to how a real spy craft operates. And Marsden was not afraid to play a character who did some really reprehensible things for Queen and Country. So that's the Sandbaggers. The Sarah Jane Adventures Series 2, which has never been shown in the United States, is coming out on DVD. Sci-Fi Channel ran the first season. Nobody has shown the second season. It has not been on cable, not been on PBS. So if you legitimately want to see the second season of Sarah Jane Adventures, the third season is running right now in England, now available here in North America. This includes uh, six stories and interviews with the cast and crew, season synopsises for all stories, investigating tools, a gadget glossary, a quiz with special footage prize, character and alien profiles, photo gallery, audio clips, UK TV spots, and trailers. Wow. Yes. And Agatha Christie's Marple Collection, series one through four with Geraldine McEwen in a huge 16-disc box set. A lot of mysteries there. Right, and just about everybody makes an appearance at one point or another as a character. That's true. We talked about that a few weeks ago. It's uh, yep. They're very keen on, on guest stars. And my Mark Warren's even in there, but he plays a character only in flashback because we find out Miss Marple had a, a love during the First World War. I believe it was the First World War. might have been earlier, but alas, he was married, so she... Oh, he had, was the love interest? Yes, he had to. Wow. In flashback, you saw her telling him at the at the train station that she was giving him up because he was married and it was his duty to go back to his wife. And then you see his picture in his uniform from time to time. She'll have it on her dresser at her house. And he probably gets a check every time they show his picture. Nifty. So a lot of Miss Marple there on DVD. So our feature this week on actor Ardell O'Hanlon.
Have you ever heard the um, full version of that with lyrics? They're not about Father Ted. It doesn't go Father Ted, Father Ted. Well, it's, it's the Divine right, Comedy. Right, the Divine Comedy. And after it wrote just the... They used just the theme song as kind of a the bridge. bridge. Right, it's a very good song. Was it a song it. before it was on the show? I think it vice versa is what I've been told. Oh, they wrote it for the show. Right, and, and then, then they, they... Used, they lifted the melody as the bridge and their song. What was it called? I... Songs of Love? <laughs> I, I believe it is. I don't know. But that's where most of us saw... Ardale O'Hanlon for the first time playing very dim bulb Father Dougal McGuire. Uh, Father Ted was about three nearly defrocked Catholic Irish priests who were sent to remote Craggy Island. Father Ted, played by the late great Dermot Morgan, was probably the most sane of them, mm-hmm. although prone to opportunism. And gambling. Yes. With church funds. They were just resting in his account. And he had to deal with uh, Father Dougal, played by Ardell O'Hanlon, and Father Jack, who was a very crotchety old priest who basically sat in his wheelchair and swore all the time. And their very odd tea lady. Jack, go on then. Have a cup of tea. Yes. Father Ted was a great show. I really thought it was very funny. It's available on DVD in this country. If you have a sense of humor and you can take a few jokes about Catholicism, check it out. Yes, it's it's splendidly, stupidly funny, I would say. Even in the if you listen to, over to the voiceovers from time to time, Grand Lenahan will say, this is such a silly show, isn't it? Oh, you mean the commentary tracks? Right, the commentary. Yes, it, it, a lot of surreal humor. But, uh, I really like Father Ted. Ardell, in 1997, appeared in a 10-minute short called Flying Saucer Rock and Roll. Have you seen that? Nope. It was shot in the shooting gallery on Channel 4, which is where I saw it. And I love pastiches of old 50s sci-fi movies. And this lovingly recreates them. It's in widescreen, black and white. It's got the hip and rock and roll music at the beginning and the titles. And, and it's like a real movie from the 50s. So Ardell plays Eddie Johnny, who a young man who thinks he sees flying saucers. He Instead of running around in a sports jalopy as you would in those 50s movies, he drives a tractor. Because it is Northern Ireland. Oh, yes. And runs afoul of evil aliens disguised as humans, um, all the while trying to get the girl and save the human race. Hi, <gasps> G. You scared me. Come again, doll. I'm sorry, kitten. This crummy right receiver don't work. Say, haven't laid eyes on you before. I'm Eddie Johnny. My name's Lana. I, I just moved here from America. Daddy said he wanted me to grow up somewhere less violent. Wowee. A real American. Look up. Say, do you like rock and roll music? Uh, drive-in movies? Ever, ever seen a flying saucer? <laughs> do you want to go out on a date tonight? Gee, that's very sweet of you. I, I think you'd be safer with me, love. That freak might take a bite out of you. Isn't that right, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> Say, daddy-o, you think you're such a wise guy, big shot. Why are you always picking on me, man? Because the whole town knows you belong in the madhouse with your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Very fun, clever short done with Irish accents. Well, nifty, yep. I saw him in a play in 2003, which was the last time I made it to London, called See You Next Tuesday, where he was playing a very Dougal-type character, a simpleton. It's, and Nigel Havers was also in the play. 
Nigel Havers has a number of friends, and they like to give a dinner party, and each of them will try to win a bet by inviting the most stupid person that he can find, and Ardell is Nigel's pick for the week. And it's inconsequential little play. It was fun. Patsy Kensett was in it as well. Arnold gets typecast a lot of times as, as the dummy. did a little bit better in 1999's Big Bad World, where he played Eamon Donahue. He lived with this married couple, and they were very keen to kind of get him to move out. So they were trying to always hook him up with uh, somebody or, or get him to advance his career. He was a writer. Here's a clip that kind of epitomizes his character. Why do you just ask her out? Oh, I can't. That would be a really bad idea. Come on. Ring her. If it ended humiliation, I know it. Yeah, he's right, you know. Oh, come on, she gave you a number. She must have wanted you to ring her. Is she the one who's asked you stare at in aerobics? <laughs> yeah, she's the girl whose arse I stared at in aerobics. Oh, Eamon, what's the worst thing she could say? I'm calling the police. <laughs> Look, I'm not symmetrical enough. If you're not symmetrical, you can forget about it. Read any of the research. For God's sake, are you a man or a mouse? Get in there, my son. What'll I say? Just be bright and breezy, you know. Casually ask her out for a drink. Bright and breezy, right. You keep your gob shut, okay? Bright and breezy. Bright and breezy. It's her. Hi, is that Sophie? Hi, it's Eamon here. Do you remember me? We met at aerobics the other night. Eamon. No, 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 I, I'm white. Ooh. Do you not remember? We were remarking on how the, the leisure centre had become the village square of urban society. Well, we had an orange juice afterwards. We really seemed to be getting on quite well. You must remember. Eamon. Honestly, it's okay. I, I, was just, I was just calling to say hello, that's all. Okay. Bye. In 2003, Ardell appeared on the Michael Parkinson chat show. When Parkinson was on BBC, he's back on ITV now, and tells a rather funny story about his mom. We're a very naive family. Are I you? mean, yeah, actually, yeah, we're very kind of innocent and trusting. I mean, I suppose I get it from my mother mainly. I mean, she was. She, I mean, she's a very highly educated woman, and you know, very dignified in lots of ways, but just kind of naive. You know, I, I, a couple of years ago, I was reading this book. It was about Albert Speer, you know, the Nazi. Um, <laughs> Albert Speer, his battle with truth. And it was a fantastic, profound book, you know, an insight into the dark mentality of the Nazi period and how the Holocaust could happen and all of that. So it was a very serious, profound book, one that made a huge impact on me. And I, I, every night I used to bore my wife to bits with details from the book. And she's a sort of a sick woman, my wife. And she kind of... Uh, <laughs> uh, she, 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 she's got this twisted sense of humour. And she decided for my birthday to take a photograph from the book it was one of Speer with, Al with Adolf Hitler and Goebbels in Paris in 1942. And she took off Goebbels' head and she expertly replaced it with my head. <laughs> so it was now a picture of me, Hitler, and Goebbels in Paris in 1942 with the Eiffel Tower in the background. She had it framed then and placed on the mantelpiece for my birthday. You know, <laughs> she found this very amusing indeed. And that same day, my mother came in with a present for me. Thank you, Mammy. Uh, it was a, a book token for two pounds, I think it was. And she, went, <laughs> and, uh, she went straight over to the mantelpiece. And genuinely, I mean, this is not a word of a lie, she just said, is that Erdl with Adolf Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> I 
never knew you knew Hitler. <laughs> the fact that I was born in 1965, 20 years after he died, didn't seem to bother her. Gotta love it. So beginning in uh, 2000, Ardell appeared in the superhero comedy My Hero. Now, I liked that one until the baby was born, the first kid, and after that I didn't watch it anymore, but I quite enjoyed it the first year. Yeah, My Hero was about a rather naive superhero, Thermal Man, played by Ardell, whose uh, secret entity was George Sunday. And he fell in love with a nurse who worked in a wacky doctor's office. In 2001, I interviewed the creator and writer of My Hero, Paul Mendelssohn, for a website I was working on. His credits include Nearly Departed and Made a December. And I asked him what inspired him to do My Hero, and he said, friend who is a major international lawyer. His clients are so powerful that they can make unrelenting demands on his time, 24-7. This got me to wondering about a relationship where a man's job is so all-consuming that his partner has to just like it or lump it. No middle ground. Like a spy, perhaps. Or the prime minister. Or a superhero. In tandem with this, it has always tickled me to think how superheroes spend their off time. What are their leisure activities? Their social lives? Their innermost thoughts? And what if circumstances force them to move to a totally dull and incongruous suburb because the mortal with whom they fell in love with insists on it? And more interestingly, what if that mortal loved him for his alter ego, not his superpowers? So that was the starting point for my hero. I asked Paul Mendelssohn uh, that some people think it's just uh, Father Dougal playing an alien, and I thought that was a little more sophisticated than that. George is naive, but he's not stupid. And I asked him if Ardell was the first choice to play him. And he said, no, the first choice was Australian actor Craig McLaughlin, who was famous for his roles in Neighbors and Bugs. Yep. You ever saw Bugs? Nope. It was a fast-paced kind of Mission Impossible thing about people using high-tech stuff to defeat baddies who all used automatic rifles and were worse shots than the people on the A-team. Oh, okay. No, it didn't. And had a lot of soap, soap stars in it. He played him as an American. Paul says that uh, research suggested that people were confused by having an Australian soap opera play an American in an English sitcom. The head of BBC Comedy, who had produced Father Ted, suggested Ardell. Ardell played George Sunday Thermal Man, although he joked it <laughs> with his Irish accent. He couldn't even say Thermal Man. He called him Thermal Man. Thermal Man, yeah. Hey, Cousin George. Hi, Ernie. Zneet, Snatter, Zneet. How's work? Good day at the office? Oh, you know, forest fire, earthquake, asteroid the size of Texas, routine stuff. Boy, am I glad I took early retirement from the superhero business. I thought you were fired. Me? Fired? Yeah, I heard you wouldn't rescue people until they paid your call-out charge. I was just covering expenses. And you took a credit card machine to people in burning buildings. Okay, I was fired. Well, look at me now. The Ultron Planetary Council's drained my solar batteries and I'm powerless. Powerless in a harsh, brutal world. I've needed you, George. It's the usual problem. Usual problem. They put the caps on so tight these days. <laughs> Ernie, listen. I need your advice. I've met a girl. No. What's she like? Oh, she's great. Only there's a problem. She's from Zargus. She's got that double nose thing, shoulders. No, no, she's from Northolt. But I'm not sure she wants to go out with me. She don't want to go out with Thermo, man? Women throw themselves off bridges just so you'll catch them. Yeah, but I didn't go to see Janet as Thermo, man. I went as me. See, I need her to like me when I'm, when I'm normal. You think this is normal? Boy, are you in trouble. 
can't tell her I'm Thermoman until she knows me better. Okay. You ain't been on this planet for very long, so listen to your cousin Arnie. Normal guys give dames presents, you know? Something that makes them smell good when they're real close. Toothpaste. <laughs> Something more feminine, personal. Depilatory cream. <laughs> flowers. You can't go wrong with flowers. Something you think she'd like. Take it around to her house, and if she seems pleased, ask her if she'd like to go out for a meal. Out? It's like in George, but with napkins. <laughs> right. And what do I do while she's out for this meal? This is going to take longer than I thought. <laughs> he did it for five years, and I think he saw the handwriting on the wall like you, that maybe it had been on just a little too long. A lot of Paul Mendelssohn shows do that, like May to December. BBC obviously was keen to do another season of it, so they had Thermal Man lose his body in a bet and was replaced by James Dreyfus. But of course, because George Sunday was supposed to be a Irishman and not a Time Lord, they couldn't just explain that he regenerated. So James Dreyfus kept trying to convince people that he was George, including his wife, and they didn't quite believe him. No, I didn't watch any of that. I knew it happened. And yeah, it was. I think that should have been a hint to maybe not make that anymore. So Ardle was probably smart to move on there. In 2005, he guest starred an episode of Doctor Who called Gridlock, where he played a cat-faced taxicab driver named Brannigan. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I got that right away when we saw the coming attractions for the second series. I went, oh, that's Father Dougal in that cat suit. Yes. And uh, he was married to a human, and they had little kittens, and they actually showed little kittens. Everywhere. I know. Uh, Ardell's also been the voice in the Robbie the Reindeer movies. Well, yep, and which of course was redubbed. I think Ben Stiller did it Stiller in did this. It. So if you have yeah, you've seen those, and like I don't remember Ardell in those. Well, in the British ones, you have to take our word for it. Mm-hmm. Ardell Hamlin was the uh, the voice of those originally, and he's been in the series Skins in two episodes, which just finished running. No, you say he wrote a book. He did, and only one book, which surprises me. It was way more than 10 years ago, 1998, and I know it from its American title, which was Knick-Knack, Paddywhack. And it wasn't even a dramatic book. It was a tragedy. It really ended so badly, but I thought he had a great eye for, or ear for dialogue, because it's written from the first person from a young man who wants to be a police officer, but big chunks of it are his girlfriend's diary that he reads. And he really got their voices very different. It was, I could see and hear everything in my mind. He was sort of the opposite of what I call the John Grisham syndrome, where he's, John Grisham would be about plot, but if it's a 70-year-old boy or an 89-year-old African-American grandmother, they have the exact same cadence and vocabulary and sentence structure as one another. And, um, I admire anybody who writes in the opposite of that, and, and Ardell certainly did it. It was quite a good book, and an awful lot of British and Irish comedians do come out with books. Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Sean Hughes, Rupert Everett. You could, But this was a good one. Yeah, his was, his was definitely top of the heap. Do you remember what the original British title was? No, isn't it written down there somewhere? On no, your I don't or? have any notes for that, but it was called Knick-Knack Paddywhack here. It's probably still in print. Chrissy says, worth a read. Definitely. But you won't have a happy ending, I'll 
tip you off to that much. Oh, too bad. Ardell is a stand-up comic, and he's done several, many stand-up shows which have been shown on TV in Britain and released on DVD over there. Over here, uh, Father Ted's been shown on BBC America. In fact, it was the very first non-BBC show to be shown by BBC America because it was originally shown by Channel 4 in Britain. And My Hero is uh, currently syndicated to PBS stations. It may be showing at a PBS station near you. And a good chance to see Ardell in action. The earlier episodes are better ones. Yeah, I generally avoid talking babies in the entertainment. Two talking With babies. With little animated mouths. Oh, yeah, no, no. But the first series quite, quite fun. Quite a laugh. Paul Mendelssohn had a very interesting idea for a series. He wrote that with his writing partner, Paul Mayhew Archer. If you'd like to read my entire interview with Paul Mendelssohn, there will be a link on our show notes at our website, britishtvpodcast.com. We'll reiterate I was very much impressed with his book, and I am surprised. was surprised doing a little research that he didn't write anything else. Maybe he just had that one book in him. Could be. So we'll keep an eye on Ardell O'Hanlon, see what he's up to in the future. So who should we do next week, or what should we do next week? Well, you know, Doctor Who's coming back. We talked about this. Maybe we should talk about the career of Russell T. Davies before Doctor Who. Sounds good. I'll have to do some studying then. But... Well, a lot of sh- the Grand and... Queer as Folk. Queer as Folk, which... Bob and Rose. The uh, Second Coming. Mm-hmm. And the David Tennant Casanova. Yeah, I've seen all those. All right. Yeah. I can talk about that. So you should know why Russell C. Davies was a big shot in Britain and why even if you took Doctor Who off his resume, he would be a force to reckon with. So Russell T. Davies, the early years, will be our feature next week. He's still young, too. We've got... Well, he's coming to the United States to work, so we'll see what that does to his uh, career. But certainly his breadth of work in Britain is well worth focusing on. So we'll do that. All right. Well, you know, we're coming up to the end of the noughties here, the end of the decade. And I think we should focus in and try to determine what was Britain's best comedy. So you, the fine listener to this podcast, should start sending in your nominations for what is the best comedy of the last 10 years. Maybe it's extras. Maybe it's Green Wing. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but does sketch comedy count or if we... Yeah, no, it could be uh, any comedy. Little Britain was what you were were thinking of. And we'll take nominations and then we'll let people vote. And in the last week of the year, Chrissy and I will discuss or argue about what we think is the best comedy of the noughties. All right. So that's something to look forward to in the weeks ahead. We want you to visit our website, which is BritishTVPodcast.com. We have show notes, what's running on TV this week. Uh, news items, and you can also find old episodes and information about us. And there's also a spot where you can click the feedback button to send us email, tell us what you like, what you don't like. We know you're out there. I know you're downloading off my website. The stats say so. So I want to get some feedback from people, and that's at feedback at BritishTVPodcast.com. So, I am getting myself jazzed up for this weekend. I'm very excited. Very excited. So much to watch. Either Sunday, because I'm going to have to DVR something here. I can't watch it all at the same time. Uh, So, lots to watch on Monday as well. And we'll be talking about it next week on the British TV Podcast. 
Keep watching. Keep listening. Bye. Goodbye. Okay, one last time. These are small, but the ones out there are far away. <laughs>